1: I'm Megan Gilger, and welcome to the Fresh Exchange Podcast. How are you guys doing today? We are almost halfway through this month, and it's hard to believe. It is just flying by. I have been so busy in the garden doing things, getting prepared for all that's ahead, and we have some snow in our forecast, which is always exciting. So I... I'm just excited, though, to sit down today and share this amazing interview that I had the chance to do with one of my friends that I got to meet on social media. Alana is an incredible resource about how to shift our day-to-day life in a more sustainable way with less plastic and less waste. Alana hasn't always been in this world, though. She tells her her story today about how she actually got into this, what changed her mind, and what was her wake-up moment. We all have them, and we talk about action steps we can take that are judgment-free, that allow us to pursue things when we have the space to do so, and how even one change can make a huge difference, because I think we all feel, at least sometimes I do, especially when I began this journey of sustainability and eco-living and low waste, like it was all or nothing. But our conversation today shares how just small things begin to make huge impacts. So I learned a few things along the way. She teaches me some things. We have great conversation. And I think you guys are going to really enjoy this one. Alana is an incredible human. She is she does coaching sessions and consulting, as well as photography. Her and her partner, Erin, are incredibly talented. They live by coastally between Hawaii and Maine, and she's originally from Utah. She has so much knowledge and experience and living in these areas that experience our intense waste issues with plastic. She firsthand has cleaned many, many miles of beach. And she sees how there's many pieces of plastic on the sands in Hawaii as there are seashells. So she has started asking deep questions that have resulted in huge changes, not just in her day-to-day life and how she lives, but also in her business and how it functions. It's incredible. She's incredible. She's so inspiring. She's so positive positive and just one of these radiant beautiful souls and I feel very lucky that we got to sit down and chat because we live in such different time zones so but let's just jump on in because it's a good conversation it's a little longer than our normal ones and in fact on Friday we're going to be releasing a special quick fire little short Q&A that I did with her as well in order to break this up well enough for you guys because there's a lot that we covered and I wanted to make it digestible. So you will get a special unique episode with this one on Friday where we answer some of your own questions that you had for Alana. So let's jump on in and we're going to start chatting with Alana. I am just so excited to talk about this because especially since this is during Earth Month and I want to, I'm trying to bring in all these different conversations around ways that we can make an impact without feeling like it's this huge burden. Like Mm -hmm. not in, it is a big deal, but it's, I think as an individual, it can feel, especially from parents, like I get the conversation a lot that it can feel so overwhelming. And like in a time when we're already feeling like there's so much that's overwhelming, like navigating a pandemic, making a lot of different decisions about lifestyle and then like raising kids, blah, 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 all of it is such Mm -hmm. a big question. And so during this month, I just wanted to like kind of bring about these conversations, but in a way that was judgment-free, that gave people real things, made them feel empowered and like they can actually make a change. And I felt like instantly I was like, I have to talk to Alana. Like
2: Oh, I'm honored that you thought of me. Um, And I, the things that I heard you just say were overwhelm and empower. Those are the two words. Mm -hmm. And I think they're almost like two sides of a coin. So if we look at like a very zoomed out view of this, of eco living or environmentally conscious living or sustainable living, whatever you want to call it, if you look at it very zoomed out, you're going to feel overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel like you're a tiny drop in the bucket. Nothing that you do matters. Um, it's going to feel like a giant to-do list and a giant task list. That's like, what's the point?
0: Mm-hmm. But if
2: you zoom in, you're going to feel empowered by aligning your actions to your values. Mm, um, I love that. Oh, that's so and good. <laughs> specifically as parents, I'm not a parent yet. So let me give that preface. So I cannot speak into the experience of a parent. Um, but I can expe- experience. I can speak to the experience of being a child. Obviously, we all mm-hmm. can.
1: Yeah.
2: And also of someone who runs a household, and we have ripple effects on the children in our, in our lives, the people in our lives, our you know immediate community, which is family, friends, our you know wider community, which is you know, our neighbors and
0: mm-hmm. the people
2: that we um, live around, and then yeah. that wider community beyond that, and so. Yes, it does matter what we specifically do. If your children see the impact of what you're doing and how you're leading, that's huge. And something that I learned, this is specifically with parenting. Um, when my sister became a mom, we were talking about like cloth diapering versus um, disposable diapers. And it was that again, like overwhelm mm-hmm. versus empowerment. And someone had gifted me the information of you don't have to be either or. Mm-hmm. What if you did both? Like you don't have to commit to being all cloth diaper. Mm-hmm. Um, you could do a little bit of both. And that's kind of the same application that I do with everything in life. Like rather than trying to do every single thing perfectly, mm-hmm. what if you just tried and saw how far you got? Like, even if you reduce your waste by 20%, mm-hmm. even if you change one you know, habit, it does snowball, but it doesn't feel as like you have something sitting on your shoulders of like, I'm not doing this perfectly. Yeah. It's like, oh, I did that thing, right? Oh, maybe I could do this thing. Oh, wow. Like I can keep going. And it becomes mm-hmm. a really empowering journey of, again, like I said, matching your actions to align with your values. And then it's it's just absolutely, it's like infinite how yes. it, how it impacts your life, your decisions, your kids, your family, your community, and it all just starts with one thing.
1: It does, and I have even seen that in my own life, like with mm-hmm. eating and stuff. And my parents, they have shifted their way of doing things, and now I my mom's that. like, "Oh, today's Friday; it's our day where we drive around and we get all our stuff from our local farms, and then we go back home. And we're done for the week." And it's like that wasn't something that I mean, my parents valued that, but they didn't make it a priority, mm. and then all of a sudden it became a priority. And so cool. I think some of that, I don't know if it had to do with me or just proximity to me. And that's something we do, but I, I see how it slowly affects those around us. And I always had this saying with people is that, and I talked about it in our seasonal eating episode is that it's about taking, becoming aware and then figuring out what tiny steps you can take at a time. Sometimes those tiny steps can be one new thing a week. Sometimes in a season of life, it may be one every three months mm-hmm. and that's how we shift lifestyle. And it Absolutely. doesn't, and it's not about like, you know, just clearing the whole cupboard and starting over.
2: No, no, no. And and I hear that a lot, um, is, oh, I need to throw out everything that's not sustainable in my life. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. That's, yeah. that's like the, by definition, the opposite of what we're going for is like yeah. waste not you know, want not like you want to see things as a resource and Mm -hmm. be mindful of taking steps as you go. And something that I get asked all the time is like, well, where do I start? Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that there's like what you were saying as far as aware, like there's stages of awareness, there's Mm -hmm. awake, which is maybe you've like seen something on the internet, you've seen like the straw through the turtle's nose, or you've Mm -hmm. seen beaches covered in plastic, or you know that our soil is depleted or you're under, you you know, you understand Mm -hmm. climate change. Um, and then there's aware that's like, Oh, wow. Like I'm a part of that. We're all a part of that. Like Mm -hmm. how do I play a role in this? Mm -hmm. And then I think it's activated where it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm going to do something about this. Like even if it's in the smallest of ways. And so those, those phases of awareness we all go through and there's a lot of emotions that come with them, like Mm -hmm. denial, anger, you know, <sighs> frustration, um, you know. Badness. There's a lot of yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things that come with it, but I think in the end of it is it's it's back to that empowerment of like, okay, I can acknowledge all of this is going on and just feel like doom and gloom, mm-hmm. or I can participate in the future that I want to see, yeah. and and it doesn't start with throwing everything out. It starts mm-hmm. with the opposite of really learning to take in that every single thing in our lives whether it's a, an inanimate object or a living you know, plant or being or s- human yeah. has a life cycle. And like, where did it originate? What did it come from? What was, you know, who made it? Mm-hmm. And then how long can I use it for? How often do I use it? Mm-hmm. Um, can it be passed down from generations? Is it something that's like phenomenal, you know, addition mm-hmm. to our life? And then how does it get disposed? Where does it go? Mm-hmm. Can it be recycled? Can it be made into something new? Mm -hmm. And being cognizant of that life cycle, um, I think breathes a lot of life into things, whether, like I said, they're an inanimate object or, um, a person, a thing doesn't matter. You instantly have more like understanding of Mm -hmm. it, compassion for it, care for it. Mm -hmm. And it makes you a lot more intentional about what you bring in and how you get rid of things.
1: Which I think, you know, one of the questions that people have a lot is like sustainability feels more expensive, And the items themselves, I think, as an item are that way, you know, like if we buy a pair of sweatpants, that one pair of sweatpants, maybe $150, but the idea being that we're not having, it's usually of intense quality. Yes. And the last time I bought a pair of sweatpants, that was that much. They still look just as new as when I bought them, yeah, two or three years ago, and I have not or had longer. to replace them. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, this is just like middle, if not the first, like tenth of its life, and like hopefully I'll have these sweatpants until I'm like fifty, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and but I think about that, like Mike and I always have this question: like, what happens to this item? Like, if, even just if we take our home, for instance, if we buy something for our home what how is this disposed of and I love that question because like we were buying rugs recently and I was trying to figure out like I'm still working on buying it It's taking me two years to figure out what it's rugs hard. I want. yeah yeah, yeah. but I was looking I first did research on like what are the best fibers and then what are the labor practices and then what are the dye practices and like going down this whole route what I ended up on was like a natural jute runner rug with yep. a recycled Same. wool underliner underneath nice. it to protect our floors, and and with a natural rubber like grip on it, and so okay. the whole thing can ultimately be disposed of.
2: Compost it even you could probably compost
1: the whole yeah. thing, and it actually didn't cost me any more, which is yeah, crazy.
2: That's wild about it, and I yeah. think that that's such a common con- misconception is like sustainable equals expensive, and I work so hard to debunk that. And Mm -hmm. I understand that um, I'm coming from a place of privilege where my understanding or scope of um, expensive or luxury or an investment might just be unattainable for somebody else. And so I try to tread lightly and understand that Like I personally believe things should be more accessible, specifically food. I'm a huge advocate for food accessibility because it is a huge problem in our country. I don't know all the solutions, but it's something that should be talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, but for items, I really struggle with um so much of what we pay for is like branding mm-hmm. and the i idea that we place on something like oftentimes I'm not gonna name the names, but there's brands that will own like like an overarching brand will own five different brands, mm-hmm. and one is the you know more expensive, more luxury, beautiful you know brand, and then there's like a mid and a low. Well, Mm -hmm. all of this, all of those items of clothing, or even all of those cars, I think Mm -hmm. about that with like Porsche and Audi and Volkswagen, they're all produced in the same exact factory, oftentimes with the exact same type of fabrics, but Mm -hmm. it's the um, monetary value that we as the public place on them, Mm -hmm. because they're seen as a higher, more expensive, luxurious brand. So we're paying more for the exact same thing. And so when I studied advertising and marketing in college, that's kind of when that, that balloon burst for me, that bubble popped. Mm -hmm. And I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh, this is literally all made up. Like, this is not (laughs) at all real. Like something is not expensive because it's, it's worth more. Mm
0: -hmm. How
2: can I actually invest in quality pieces? And, you know, I was helping my mom clean out her closet the other day. And, um, she, she was like, I've had this shirt for 25 years. And she's almost said it in like a negative tone. And I was like, mom, that's phenomenal. Like that's (laughs) know a garment is well-made and classic that you've had Mm -hmm. it for almost my entire life hanging in your closet and you've worn it year after year. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, growing up, I was not, I did not value that. I wanted like trendy, Mm -hmm. you know, fast fashion, not thinking about it at all. I wanted patterns and prints. I was so funky and artsy and all these things. (laughs) And now like my mom teases me, she's like, you've become me. And, and um, like, I am very drawn towards beige and white (laughs) and like very, you know, minimal neutral colors because I, you know, live near the ocean and I like just easy breezy clothing and i think it's just something that i was modeled when i was younger you yeah. know she just always looked very classic and very timeless and it's proving that it's going really well she's in her mm-hmm. 70s and she's had clothes i mean some of them she said even longer than i've been alive and i'm like uh. that's what i want is with my home goods and with my clothing i want stuff that like lasts the test yeah. of time that i could pass down to my kids um that used to be such the norm mm-hmm. and then somewhere i don't know exactly when it was i don't know if it's the 70s 80s 90s this like just throwaway culture became our total norm. Like I've had that shirt for a season. It's got to go like, you know, I'm going to buy trendy, you know, new throw pillows every Mm. year or whatever. And I just don't subscribe to it anymore. I want, I want to pay, I want to invest well and Mm -hmm. buy less. And I want to invest well on like the quality of the item, not the brand or like the idea of it that we're all upholding if that makes sense
1: everybody has unique situations that as we start becoming really you know discerning about what is coming into our home there's an easy way to kind of i guess spend less and make it more affordable over time and when you like you said like you're investing in these clothes that you're wearing all the time and maybe you will wear into your 70s that would be
2: the coolest right and something that that you hit on as far as your food system Mm -hmm. and how you get your food. That was so far out of my reach when I lived on the mainland, when I lived Mm -hmm. in Utah, that's where I was born and raised. And I talk about this a lot. I talk about it when I'm on podcasts. Mm -hmm. I talk about it on Instagram, my blog about how like how our associations with food and how we view food. Mm -hmm. And for me growing up instantly, the thought of food elicited a grocery store and like fluorescent lights and a deli section and just boxes mm-hmm. and like frozen food section. Like that's just, that was my raising. And so I think a lot of times people hear like you and I talk about how like I get, you know, 90% of my food from a CSA mm-hmm. that is all, you know, organic locally grown mm-hmm. farmers who come together in a cooperative and put together boxes for us that I get to like hand select on the internet. It feels like the tw- like the 28th century. I feel so like, so plugged That's even in. better you know than how- what I got. So you're really living. Hey, hey I really feel it cause it's like the best of both worlds, It's like supporting local yeah. and like encouraging these farmers, which feels very old school. And then like that I get to select it on mm-hmm. the internet on the interwebs, like feels so <laughs> strange to me because we have nothing like that here where we live, like in either place in Maine, we live in a very rural community in Hawaii. We live on a very, like the most rural Island. We are, there's nothing like fancy about anywhere we live. Uh-huh. And so that feels very fancy, but growing up, I just thought, or I didn't even know at all to, to be quite honest. And then now my friends from growing up, I often hear like, well, that's just not the case for us. Mm. And I really want to challenge people to find your allies. Mm. Find the people in your communities, wherever you live, who also deeply care. Mm. And yeah. either farmers that are already doing it, mm-hmm. CSAs or cooperatives that are doing it, um, even just friends and family who even just share a little bit of the same care for you. And things will come. Like I truly believe we attract we put out there, and just thinking like, oh well, no, I can never change my food system. We don't have anything like that. Um, this is, you know, not an opportunity for me. I think is really shutting out a lot of opportunity, a lot of connection, a yep. lot of community. Mm-hmm. And I'm mind blown from just my connections online that I have friends in Charleston, South Carolina, in New York City, in L.A., you know, in Utah. Like I said, mm-hmm. in the Midwest, like down down south and they all have found like little pockets of these communities and whether it's doing, you know, community compost or, and like freezing your compost in your freezer and <laughs> tell someone to pick it up or like, there's all these ways that we can participate. It's just taking that awareness mm-hmm. and then like connecting it with other people. Um, I mean, Hawaii ships in 90% of our food. Wow. I didn't know that. So, yeah. So when the pandemic hit, that was my first thought was, oh my God, what if they don't send the boat? Oh God. And I'm not concerned for myself because we, we I'm not, I'm not joking. You, I'm not fronting at all that we like literally get, I would say 90%. And sometimes we don't go to the grocery store at all. We just shop our yeah. CSA. Um. So I was like, well, we like, we have farmers. If we know we have our connection, yeah. like it'll, it'll be okay. My concern was that most of the islands And most of the population doesn't. So then that's going to put a huge strain on the small amount of farmers that are here. Um,
1: Yeah, because I can't imagine farming on an island. Like that has to be so interesting.
2: Oh, it's so abundant. Yeah, It's amazing. Like talking to farmers here, specifically uh, Native Hawaiian farmers who are very aware of like working with the land Mm -hmm. and honoring nature and like honoring their culture and traditions. Oh my God, (laughs) their amount of knowledge is insane. Mm -hmm. Like just hearing them speak, I'm like, Oh, this is so cool. Like how it's in harmony and in relationship with nature. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's taro that's farmed. That's like very, very Mm -hmm. traditional Hawaiian, uh, kalo is it's in Hawaiian. Um, but there's like all these different types of, you know, fruit and vegetables that are like, I never experienced, Mm -hmm. um, growing up. So, we eat very very differently when we're here versus when we're in Maine. Like I don't I don't eat pineapple, I don't eat papaya, I don't eat anything like that when I'm on yeah. the mainland, and then when I'm here, I don't eat blueberries, I don't eat strawberries, I don't eat yeah. anything that's not grown here. And so um if some place that has 90% of the food shipped in and a huge reliance on, you know, big box stores, if I can still find it, I have full faith that anyone else can find it. Yeah. Um CSAs are amazing. Connect community is amazing. Just supporting local is, is where it's at for me.
1: I think I would love, and I think other people would love to hear like, even like, how did you, what is kind of the journey that kind of got you inspired into moving this way? Everyone has their moment, you know, or like the things Mm -hmm. that really set them into motion on this or brought awareness. I feel like I can identify my own and everything, but I would love to hear yours.
2: Yeah. it all boils down and it's, it's kind of sad, but the base of it is plastic for me. Mm. Um, I don't think many people know this, but in Hawaii, there's more plastic on our shorelines than there are seashells. Like Mm. the amount of microplastics that end up here from all over the world, um, is it's immense because we are in Hawaii, we're in the South Pacific, um, and the way that the gyres, the um, ocean current swirl, okay. we get a lot of trash from California, a lot of trash oh. from Asia, and that very large garbage patch that's the size of Texas off of the coast of California is very real. We've oh. had friends who've gone and dive, dove in it, dived in it, <laughs> um, wow. who have filmed it, who have sailed out to it, uh, friends who are scientists who are studying it. It's like. And I think people just think it's like made up or think it's crazy and there's multiple all around the world, but that's the one specifically that kind of pertains to us um, as Americans and as people who live in Hawaii. So it swirls and it ends up on our shorelines. And so plastic doesn't break down like something would in compost. So you put in like food scraps and, you know, microorganisms eat them down and they become soil and then that's regenerative. Plastic breaks up into a million little pieces and the most common way that happens is because of the sun so if all of this plastic is floating in the ocean it ends up there through our waterways through wind through just dumping yeah. sadly um, there's many ways that it enters into our waterways but then it's just laying there getting baked in like a bath of salt right mm-hmm. in, in the salty ocean water and it just starts to degrade I, sh- I hate the word degrade because that's not what's happening. It's breaking up into more and mm-hmm. more and more, more pieces, pieces. Yeah, and as you would expect, fish and other, um, you know, wildlife are eating it. Um, so then we are then ingesting that if we eat ocean fish, mm-hmm. and so this all kind of came to culmination here. The very first time that I ever was like, I'm confused. What is this? Was Aaron was surfing at our local beach that he serves at, he's probably there right now. Um, and I was just walking the shoreline, just kind of killing Mm -hmm. time, just enjoying sunset or whatever. And I'm looking down and I start seeing like little flecks of color Mm. and I was like, what is that? So I start picking it up and I'm like, ah, and then I see like a fork and I see like, you know, a bottle cap and a piece of like a toothbrush Mm -hmm. and whatever. I'm like, gosh, people are so lazy or people are so like why would you litter like uh, just this instant like frustration or anger comes up and so I kept picking up kept picking up and all of a sudden both my hands were full and both my pockets were full I couldn't take any more and I remember thinking like why would they be little pieces of plastic like no one's like sitting here like cutting them up or like I don't get why they're like little Mm flecks of it That was the very first like seed. And then I was like, okay, well, I want to know why, and I want to know what, and I want to know how. And so through that research of like Googling it, and then also just starting to talk to other people. And many people are very aware here in Hawaii who have lived here much longer than I. And it was like, Oh, these are called microplastics, Mm -hmm. and they come from the breaking down of this is, this sounds like so naive, but this was a few years back when, yeah. There was like the no straw initiative. There was like, I mean, Hawaii had p- banned plastic bags way before this. Um, so there was some kind of like notion that plastic was bad, but I like had no concept that like recycling wasn't working mm-hmm. that, you know, this is what where are away is quote unquote. I had no idea. So it was an eye opener for sure. I was frustrated. I wanted to figure it out. It was a bad, it was, you know, a problem. How could I solve it? And the very like big, big aha moment that was like, oh, I'm part of this problem mm-hmm. was I was over on a different Island on Oahu, um, with an organization called sustainable coastlines, Hawaii, and they focus on beach cleanups and education and awareness surrounding how we can make changes at home, um, to prevent this from happening, um, and we were out doing a beach cleanup and it was like one of the worst beaches I've ever seen. Like the entire beach was blue. Like mm. every there's so it's just the way that the gyres hit there, the, the wind and the swell, the way that it mixes, it just like wow. plants like you clean it every week, every two weeks. And it just returns, 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 returns. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, the beach, the beaches on that side of the Island, one, one beach cleanup we did, we took like 800 pounds of, wow plastic out in a day like the other one we did 600 here on the north shore of our island we did like 500 one day um and so we're we're walking and I pick up this like fish trap like this little plastic like net Mm -hmm. thing and I pick it up and I'm still in this frustrated angry Mm -hmm. stage and I was like gosh fishermen are the worst like they just dump all their stuff like I'm just cynical I'm very angry and he he like takes it from me he's like do you know what this is and I said no and he explains that it's a hagfish trap, and I was like, okay. And he goes, so do you wear? And then he like stops and like tells everyone in the group like to look at him. He's like, does it? Who wears makeup? And I was like, I do. And you know, other women raise their hands, and he goes, okay. So hagfish is a very common um, ingredient in makeup. It's like a good, like the the goo that's on their skin. They like strip and then they put it into uh, cosmetics. And not only like, you can probably see it in my face. I was like, absolutely disgusted. Yeah. <laughs> um, ew. And that was the first like, aha of like, oh, that's why they talk about vegan makeup. Hmm. It's not just like a coined, like, yeah. oh, this is fancy. No, there's actual like really gross animal products that are in very conventional makeup. Wow. So that's, that hopefully I can pass that as an aha moment on to anyone else listening. But I was like, ew. And then second, he goes, so if you wear makeup, you can't blame a fisherman for wanting to provide for his family
0: mm. or her
2: family when you're buying the product that increases the demand so that he has to increase the supply. So no, I'm not saying that this, this fisherman is not to blame, but be very mindful of where you point the finger. Mm. And it's, it's really common in America that uh, when I engage in discourse with people, especially of the older generation, um, they're very quick to point out other countries yeah. who have a higher output than we do. They're very quick to blame. They're very quick to point out that it's like hopeless or no point or whatever. Yeah. And then here's this man sitting in front of me and saying, this has everything to do with you. Mm. And I walked away from that trip and was like, like, yeah, how can I point the fingers as somebody else for anything, this is just kind of sovereignty, self-responsibility, all of this journey that I've gone on the last probably five years. But it was like, how can you ever blame somebody for something unless you're willing to take ownership for it in your life first? Yeah. So that was like when the, yeah, that was the catalyst between, and there was still more anger and there was still more frustration (laughs) and there was still more sadness, but that was the big catalyst from like, I'm angry and you should know it Mm -hmm. to like, I'm angry and I'm going to do something about it.
1: Mm, Yeah. That's a, those are those big moments.
2: (laughs) That was, and it like, I didn't feel exactly like that in that moment, but that trip was really cool. I was out there with another um, woman who I deeply admire. Her name is Lex Weinstein. I've talked about her before. She is a professional surfer and just this really incredible soul. And she turned down all of her sponsors. Wow. Um, Because they didn't align with her values. Mm. The surfing community, she believes, should be like the front line of ocean conservation because that's where they play. That's where they make their living. That's where they Mm. get so much of their identity. And so she went to all of them and was like, hey, this is a huge problem. You know, all of your products are made from plastic, which is made from fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. Like, can we discuss this? And most of them, I guess, were just not really receptive at that point. Mm -hmm. And so she just dropped them, which is a humongous gamble for somebody who makes their money in that capacity. And I just want to hear more like brave, bold stories like that Mm -hmm. from women, because it like shook me. We were in a van just chatting and she shared that. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, What did you do? And I was just so like just shaken by it. I couldn't believe that she was just so ballsy and willing to do it. And then I got ballsy and Mm -hmm. I did it. And I went home and, you know, talked to her more. And, you know, Aaron and I had a lot of discussion about, you know, what it was the most impactful for us and what things we wanted to see in the partners that we were working with. And even just the businesses that we were consulting with Mm -hmm. and anyone that we were offering our services to. And it changed our entire business because, and Aaron was not super keen on it in the beginning. Aaron was like, what are you doing? You're shooting us in the foot. Like you're going to lose us so much revenue. This is so ridiculous. I think this is really dumb. I don't think this is a good idea at all. And there is an loss for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there was a magnetic gain, Mm -hmm. like then people I just have met more people in the business community in just like individuals. Mm-hmm. I mean, across the board, like Good nonprofit organizations. Yeah. And that I'm just like, you're who I want to start myself by. You inspire me. You're innovative. You're committed, invested, excited, mm-hmm. uh, and doing something, not just talking about something, not just avoiding and denying something, but you see it mm-hmm. and you're going towards it. And so that that's kind of like the evolution of, and the, believe me, this took a very long time and so mm-hmm. much emotional turmoil. Oh, yeah. Um, I felt like a hypocrite. I felt like I, like I shamed myself for so many years of like not knowing, like there was just so much that I want to help other people avoid. Mm-hmm. And just to jump into something and know that there are so many resources mm-hmm. to learn to be more conscious in like every facet of your life. There's so many layers to that. And and I think to me, I felt a conviction of like not only and I think it has to start with ourselves. Mm-hmm. I wasn't first and foremost thinking about like my ripple effect, like when I was starting this out. I think you've got to get real crystal clear with yourself yeah. and, and how that plays out. And that's like a very no matter what you do for work, no matter if you're a parent or not, like whatever it is, like it starts with yourself. Yep. And so that's where I wanted to get crystal clear first, but then, then it did become this like personal versus work value. Yeah. And I know some people that have felt that even if they're not a front facing business, even just working for a company yep. that is extremely detrimental to this earth, mm-hmm. you can either, you know, Trojan horse it and say, Hey guys, I'm already here. Like, can we change this and see if there's opportunity to do that and help that grow? Or maybe it's not in alignment with your values for what you're doing. And that's, you know, at the end of the day, someone else's call to make, but for me, it really, my work really matters to me. I believe, I believe like in legacy, I believe Mm -hmm. in life being very interconnected. Mm -hmm. And so it just felt so out of alignment to me to like be deeply convicted on a personal level about our world and about consumption and about, um, you know, supply chains and, you know, the working conditions of people and just the amount of stuff being circulated. I mean, there's so many layers. Absolutely. And just to like, keep going on as like, nothing had changed in my business. Like it just didn't feel good. So I made that switch and I was so, like I said, so thankful to have a conversation, an open, honest, very transparent conversation with another woman yeah. who was willing to share that path with me. I was, I, I am still infinitely and infinitely grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was like, okay, I'm going to make this shift. And then through, through that journey, then I also was really mindful of who I was connecting with as far as who, who I was working with, but also who I was following. Mm-hmm. And it shifted who, I don't love the term influencer at all because I I believe that we all have influence on our, on our people, right? Like I have friends, like family, I have all these people who influence me on every, on a daily basis. So I think we all are that and we should empower that and see that as a beautiful thing. But I also think on like a conscious level, we don't realize how much people that we connect with either in person or online do deeply influence us. Mm -hmm. Um, whether we don't feel like we have enough things or nice enough things, or, um, we're not traveling enough or we're not, you know, cooking the best meal, you know, whatever it is. And so when I made this shift, I also became hyper aware of like, okay, I may have, you know, really resonated with something this person was sharing before, but now I, I have like very clear, like 2020 20 vision yes. glasses on where I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> every time I'm on here, I am like triggered to buy something or, um, I need something. And, and it just started to feel really interesting to me. And, and I became like very lit up by it of, okay, is this a good friction? Is this a bad friction? Yeah. And I started being absolutely drawn to people who were educating yes. me, empowering me, mm-hmm. um, helping my life further. So I just I want genuine connection in my life. Yes, I want to surround myself with a community of people who are bettering themselves, who are really spending time in that deep knowing, mm-hmm. who are healing, who are loving who are trying to better this world yes. and that sounds ex- extremely altruistic but there's genuinely oh that's totally amazing, possible incredible yeah incredible yeah. people in this world and you know my online experience years and years ago compared to now is like a different world yes. like i love it it's just it gives me all these ideas of like what life is uh-huh. and what life can be and all the things that i can learn like I just, it's, it's a really exciting, uplifting experience versus a draining soul sucking one.
1: Yes. (laughs) I agree with that so much. I have, I mean, this year has proven to me, I have everything I need and Mm. okay. Something gets a hole in it. I'm going to mend it. I'm going to fix it. And and that things can be simpler and when they're simpler and less, it opens our day. It opens our space it doesn't have to be as much and i think yeah. the concept of minimalism opens us to a more li- a, a life full of more gratitude and more grounding and more connection and right. we think minimalism is about giving things up or that eco living is about giving something up but really it's about opening up our life mm-hmm. and and realizing just like every time we take a breath it affects somebody else And being like living in that space, which is really a beautiful space of just honoring others and honoring yourself and honoring the world as a whole in the earth. And so I think I just, people always make that, you know, (laughs) assumption that it is about giving something up and it is in some ways, but I think what you're giving up is something really important to give up. And yeah
2: and I think it's it's less about restriction and it's more about awareness mm-hmm. and intention mm-hmm. um I I just never really was aware about how much trash we threw out and by making the one choice to compost mm-hmm. um I mean was mind-blowing mm-hmm. like all of a sudden now we went from having stinky trash that we had to throw out even if the bag was only half full or whatever mm-hmm. to oh it doesn't really smell because there's no you know food waste in there. Mm -hmm. And what else do we really throw away? Oh, not much. Mm -hmm. you know. And so it just became that awareness of like, okay, this one thing then ripples into other places. And that's how it was for everything. It it didn't feel restrictive. It wasn't like, oh no, Mm -hmm. I can't use trash bags. It was like, oh yeah, I didn't really realize that before. That's super wasteful. And now this makes a lot of sense. And that's the shift that I saw so much. Like even in our bathroom, like I, I have countless information like on my social, on my blog about like different swaps we made in the bathroom. And never once have I been like, oh, I have to I had to give up blank. Like never. It was like, oh, this is a better solution that doesn't like pollute the planet. Huh, interesting swap. Like it was yeah. just a very interesting change. And and the way to to go about that, in my personal opinion, is just when you run out of something. Mm-hmm. So like when you run out of your tube of toothpaste, rather than running back to the store and buying a plastic tube of toothpaste that cannot be recycled, maybe get another alternative, whether it's like the toothpaste, you know, bites that you like their little tablets mm-hmm. that you chew up and, you know, do that or whether it's making your own mm-hmm. or whether it's getting it in a metal tube or whatever it is, mm-hmm. that's a like one swap that you're not giving anything up. Yeah, You're simply bringing awareness to something mm-hmm. and then changing behavior. Um, and, and that's, that's like the most genuine conversation that I can have with anybody is like, I don't feel restricted at all. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I, I don't walk around thinking, oh, I can't have that. Oh, I can't have that. I don't, I think, oh, that stinks. that That's around. That stinks. That that's a thing. Yeah, That's how I think. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite ones because-
1: is, um, barred soap. Like it sounds silly, but I get it. I, when I, we ran out of like you know, we were using like body body wash wash or whatever, you know, and this, this happened like four years ago, actually. And it happened so naturally. Like I didn't even realize that I made the shift, but I was at our co-op and they had like local handmade soap. soap. And I was like, Mm. and it was, you know, $6 for a bar. And it was made with all local ingredients or organic ingredients that were, you know, sustainably sourced and like all the stuff, this girl had this great situation. And I was like, Okay. Okay. That sounds great. I'll give it a try. It smells awesome. I haven't looked back.
2: <laughs> no, and then and then think about the circulation of. So I think of money as energy, mm-hmm. and a lot with mindset and like shifting that. So think about where we're putting our money now. So if you are buying body wash that's at a grocery store that's made by this like you know bazillionaire corporation, yes. versus you're handing. If you think of it as energy, like you're handing that to this woman. Who is then going to feed her family mm-hmm. or feed herself or nourish herself and pay her bills. It's that's direct hand-to-hand exchange. Yes. And to me, that is the most like beautiful, uplifting, incredible thing. I think that is a huge thing that 2020 brought yes. into a lot of people's scope. And I just cannot emphasize that enough. Like mm-hmm. I think the idea of buying local or supporting local or supporting organic all seems like very labeled like, or how cute or a nice idea. And I don't think of it that way at all. If you genuinely think about like the exchange of energy, the exchange of money, where do you want it to go? And something that really builds on the empowerment of this movement is Math, which I'm not great at. So bear with me. (laughs) Me But (laughs) because I'm not good at math, that's what makes this so astronomical to me. But it's simply multiplication Mm -hmm. of these efforts. Like, so I change one thing, great. If I change five things, great. Like, if I change 50 things, Mm -hmm. great. Then if I influence two people, and they influence two people, Mm -hmm. or if I influence 10 or 15 or 20, and they influence 10, like if you think about it in that idea of a ripple effect, Mm -hmm. that's what I mean by ripple effect is, yeah, it's only one plastic water bottle said 8 billion people. So you hear that stat, and then you think of it in reverse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's only one action said Mm eight million people. Yeah, And so if you think about that, shift of even if all of us every single one of us listening to this does one thing it's huge that we change it's humongous or five or ten and you know snowballs that's amazing it is and that's what was that big shift was like oh okay I only feel like one drop in the bucket but every drop Mm -hmm. counts make this ocean and like each little drop has a ripple effect and so Buying locally or making that shift in your bathroom or whatever it is like think about all of us compounding as money or compounding as energy mm-hmm. and supporting these giant corporations versus all of us consciously changing that to support these local people mm-hmm. they're gonna thrive they're gonna reinvest like it just totally changes the structure of everything
1: And well, I think we're even seeing that like power that those decisions can make because you're seeing these companies that are realizing, you know, even like GM saying that they're going to be completely electric by, what is it? 2035. And that's a huge thing. That's, and that's because there is a demand. Shell oil is saying that they've reached their peak of consumption and it's just going to be declining from here. That's a change in demand, you know? And so I think that we are on the cusp of really seeing the dramatic impact of just making these decisions and how a lot of little things add up to big things like these decisions and asking of companies, I don't want plastic in my stuff anymore. I just
2: saw that, um, not that I'm promoting them in any sort of way, but Mm Dove, um, they just switched to a, a plastic free option. And they're probably the largest, I don't know, maybe like secret or something deodorant. I hope that they've changed their, their ingredients because I went away from synthetic deodorants because of aluminum, which is huge for breast cancer. My family has breast cancer. So I have not worn like traditional or whatever deodorant in like, I don't know, at least five years, if not like eight or 10. Yeah. But just seeing that shift, I was like, mm, they're seeing it. Uh, I was like Tampax or something came out with a menstrual cup. Mm-hmm. Like there is big stuff happening. And as much as that's like, oh, that's cool. Like, no, that is humongous response. <laughs> yeah, that is respo- direct response to a change Absolutely. in revenue. So there's a drop in whatever their product is. And there's an increase because they track this. There's an increase in... Their competitor. Mm-hmm. They're tracking those trends and the, the supply changes because of the demand. Mm-hmm. And so when we, when people say vote with your dollar, mm-hmm. I don't think that's the only way you should vote. I think voting with ballots, I think voting with actions, I think voting by not buying, yes. I think, you know, all of those things are just as important. Um, but that's what they mean by vote with your dollar. It's like, when you do buy, be conscious That you're either supporting and upholding a current standard Mm -hmm. or you're investing in something different. Yeah. And I think again, speaking back to that empowerment, realizing the weight that our dollars carry, that our actions carry is huge. And we are not just these little (laughs) these little ants, like we aren't. All of us collectively do absolutely shift something, Mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, on a governmental, a corporate or an individual level, we have power.
1: It was so good to sit down with Alana and to just like walk away feeling empowered with this conversation that our tiny little things that sometimes we believe aren't making a huge difference really are. I know that after this conversation, I felt more empowered to make some changes that I was kind of holding back on. And Alana gave me that energy in order to do so. So I just enjoy that part of who she is. She is just such a empowering human being. And I hope beyond hope that you feel that today too. So don't forget that we're going to have a quick fire Q and a that comes out on Friday. So you can look for that. It is a quick little episode, nothing long like this one, but I hope you guys enjoy that as well to just get a little more awesome info from Alana. Cause she's so kind to have sat down for so long and chatted with me. If you want to learn more about what Alana does and how she lives her life and more information. I have a ton of links. She has an incredible amount of resources on her blog. She is such a wealth of information. So, and she really does her homework. So I think you guys would really enjoy it. We also have some suggested videos and things like that, that she sent along that she thought would be helpful to further our education about plastic use and about the effects of it. And as always, this conversation is not meant to make you feel bad, but just meant to bring awareness and empowerment to making changes that we can make an impact. It is possible. So it is not a hard thing to do in the sense like we can just take tiny things one at a time. So as always, it is lovely to hang out with you today and I will see you out there, friends.